0: asking for it. Subscribe now. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm AC Rowe. This is The Doc Project. Over the past week, as borders have closed, thousands of Canadians abroad have been trying to get home. Among them, one of our own producers, Alison Cook. This past Monday morning, the 16th, before the Prime Minister announced the country's borders were closing, I called her. Hello. Hi, Alison. Hi. How are you doing?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I can't complain, right? My, the place where I am temporarily stuck, I guess you could say, is, um, is kind of a paradise, but I'm looking forward to getting home.
0: At the beginning of March, Alison finally took a vacation. She went to Mexico with her husband. So what's it like there?
1: People are out and about, but it's getting quieter and quieter.
0: When Alison left, COVID-19 was big news, but there were only a handful of cases in Canada. The um, Thing is, I
1: got here before they were telling Canadians they should stay home.
0: That obviously changed.
1: I mean, what changed things for us? was from thinking, okay, we'll monitor the situation, to getting the news on Saturday from the federal government that advising Canadians abroad to come home. That was the trigger.
2: Anybody who is currently abroad, get back as soon as you can. The language here, we recommend that Canadian travelers return to Canada via commercial means while
0: they remain available.
1: So until such time as we're on a flight, in fact, until such time as we're on the ground in Montreal, um, we're going to be a bit nervous. For sure, right now, I'm having a bit of trouble sleeping. You know, wake up at night and you think, gosh, you know, I hope I, you know, I, hope I can get on that flight and then we can get home. You don't want to be stuck somewhere in the middle of a pandemic, um, not speaking the language fluently and not with the best access to healthcare. So when do you get on your plane? Tomorrow afternoon, Tuesday afternoon. So, Good luck. Yeah. Let us Thanks. know when you
0: land. Okay, we will do. Thanks so much. Okay, bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. The minute I got off the phone with Alison, I got the alert. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's announcement on Monday that it was no longer just wise to get home, but urgent. And if you didn't, you might lose your chance.
3: We will be denying entry to Canada to people who are not Canadian citizens or permanent residents. Anyone who has symptoms will not be able to come to Canada. Let me be clear, if you're abroad, it's time for you to come home."
0: When that announcement was made, as many as 500,000 Canadians were traveling abroad. Today we follow two of them, Allison in Mexico and Natasha Greenblatt in England over the course of the past week. Feeling their way through what we all are, the uncertainty and the fear, but also finding the small moments, these opportunities for joy, comfort. Maybe
4: even inspiration. I'm Natasha Greenblatt. I'm a theater maker from Canada. And I'm in London, England right now. It's Tuesday, March 17th.
0: Like Allison, Natasha left before the announcements were made telling Canadians to stay home. She landed in England last week, on March 12th.
4: So I was originally here because I was coming to see a play that I'm producing. The play was in Brussels. I had been part of the planning for this play for some time now, although um, I wasn't involved in the rehearsals. So I was really just coming to get to arrive and celebrate the opening with the cast and uh, my creative collaborator, Rima Jabber, who uh, was the writer of the show.
0: Her plan was to lay over in England for a few days to visit her cousins, then continue on to Belgium. That is not what happened. And as things changed, Natasha began recording on her phone.
4: I assumed everything was going according to plan. And when I left to go to the airport, it was actually Wednesday night because I was leaving on Thursday morning at one fifteen. Uh, I got a some text messages from a good friend of mine who's like, "I don't think you should go. They're closing. The U.S. is closing the borders to Europe, and it seems like things are going to get worse." And I was conflicted. I was quite scared, but I still thought, you know, uh, am I going to give up this plane ticket that I've paid for? Am I going to? I don't know. I, I was feeling a bit conflicted, but I talked to my mom and I talked to my boyfriend and everyone seemed to think it was an all right thing to do. And so off I went. The plane was quite eerie. There was definitely less people in the airport, Um, got through customs. Everyone was kind of quiet. And I talked to the guy and I said, have have things been hectic here? And he's like, actually, they've just been really quiet. So I got through the flight, you know, maniacally washing my hands. And I got off the plane. I went through customs And as soon as I got Wi-Fi, I got a text message from my creative partner, Rima, saying, if you haven't left yet, cancel your flight. The show's off. So that was a bit of a shock. Um, And then I got a, a message from my cousin saying, have you left yet? And I said, I'm here. And he's like, well, welcome to the apocalypse which I think was maybe a bit of a hyperbole at that point, but they were already buying extra food. They weren't hoarding, but they were getting their tins and their rice. And I went over to their place, and they said they were social distancing. So I said, all right, let's let's uh, let's just kind of hunker down for a little while and see what's going on. so obviously I wasn't going to Belgium to see the play I booked the cheapest flight home which was for Saturday a week away and my cousins said they'd be happy for me to stay with them and although it was awful that the show was cancelled I was pretty happy to hang for a week all things considered I mean if I had to be bunkered up with anyone my cousins are pretty high on that list they're also artists. They write and direct for film and television. And they love to eat good food and laugh. They're hilarious.
2: <gasps> can't help being like a genius all the time. You know? Sure. I okay. mean you. Oh. Yeah. What, really? No. no. Yeah. Okay. Wait, well.
4: Yeah. <laughs> There's my cousin Sam, who I'm actually related to. He's a writer, improviser, and director. So why, why
3: don't we, be, before we speak, <clears throat> a person just puts their hand Put up the and then. Okay, yes. Nice. So okay. some and this nice. is
2: There's
4: his girlfriend, Alice, who I also consider my cousin, who is also a filmmaker and an incredible cook.
3: This is an opportunity for fame, guys. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and why don't we say that we have a, a clockwise or... No, or no. Of no.
2: Of no.
3: Hot
4: and hot they yeah. were yeah. living with their friend, Chloe, who is also a filmmaker.
3: A so <laughs> we, do we have to speak clearly and one at a time? Um,
4: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, is this is not.
3: this audio going to be broadcast live? Not live. Not live, no. but it's going to no. be edited. <laughs> it's it live right now. Okay. <laughs> so so why,
4: why? all of a sudden, it was the four of us in a pretty tiny flat in North London. So we settled down to a pared down existence. We thought of it as a sort of coronavirus writers' retreat. We were social distancing, but we didn't stop everything. We still went to the store to buy extra ingredients we needed for cooking, and we did a lot of cooking. It was so nice to spend time together, chopping onions, sharing recipes, and eating home-cooked meals. And we kept talking about what was going on in the world, how unbelievable all the changes were, whether England was doing enough, and what it all meant for everyone.
3: No, the, I do feel like there has been a bit of a sort of wartime spirit mm. of, like, like gallows humour and, you know, where, you know you just opened the bottle of alcohol and, you know, said, here's to the end of the world. Like, it does feel like we're sort of bonding together in a time. moment, in a time of...
4: Crisis. S- crisis, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's quite strange, intense bleakness, but, you know, we're... Yeah.
2: I think there's still hope, though. Like, I think that's what's nice.
3: Yeah. It's,
2: like, very dramatic to say, but I think we're all, like, you know. It's hard, though, when you veer between... I think we've all had different moments of veering between feeling really, really quite depressed about it and feeling that we're not doing enough and Mm -hmm. that the government isn't doing enough and then having other moments where, particularly, I think, when our freedoms are being infringed upon, when we suddenly de-escalate it in our minds and go, actually, like, oh, wow, you step outside and people are still... It's fine. Yeah, like, people are still living their lives and actually... Are we catastrophizing it more than it perhaps is necessary? It's like a constant yo-yo between Mm. the two extremes, I think, which is also just exhausting.
4: We realized how lucky we were to be able to keep working from home. So many others weren't in that position. On the second day I was there, Sam had a great idea for a funny Instagram video, his true passion in life. Telling the story of a near-distant future where the only professions left were medicine and TikTok, cut to a dance break. We decided he needed to be wearing a full hazmat suit in the opening scene. So while Chloe and Alice kept working, Sam and I went into the world to buy some costumes. It was a sunny Friday afternoon. Everyone was out. The open air market was full. People were eating at restaurants. We found everything we needed at a hardware store and came home to choreograph the dance. That night after dinner, we shot the film. The four of us collaborated and laughed our butts off, and Sam's dancing was. magnificent. It felt like a special kind of moment that was only able to happen because of these strange circumstances. Looking back on it, it feels like we were in this magical bubble. We knew things were different, but we didn't know the full extent of the changes that were about to come.
2: Yeah. And I think also we're all in all the specifics of our different lives with work and play and personal lives and professional lives. We're all dealing with a state of uncertainty that keeps being updated, but that like, yeah, we're we're all kind of balancing that in in different ways. Mm. And I think learning to live with uncertainty is like, sort of the definition of anxiety basically Mm. Yeah, Mm. anxiety feels rooted in not being able to have an answer Mm. Um, and I think certainly that feels quite dislocating and um, both exhausting and like panic inducing and I think the combination of feeling like you just want to do nothing and the combination of feeling like you need to do everything Mm. that feels like a quite a potent, um, even further anxiety-inducing combination.
3: I think it's also important to mention that we went for a walk and did a breathing ceremony,
2: uh, <laughs> meditation. A
3: meditation. Yeah. We stood in a circle and all inhaled and exhaled slowly, and <laughs> took a moment of gratitude for being able to breathe fresh, clean air. Not knowing when we would be able to do that again. That
2: sounds bleak. It's it just too a way. nice moment in a field where we were like, we're not surrounded by buildings. Let's take a little breath of Let's breath.
3: take a little
4: breath.
2: I think we can also mention. Uh,
4: <laughs> thought we would h- hang low and, and work on our, our projects, but increasingly, we just felt that things were shifting. We started to read more about what was going on in Italy and around the world, and that it wasn't stopping, and the measures that people were taking were only getting more and more serious and so it began to feel like the window of opportunity was getting smaller and smaller and I thought if I don't get home now I might not be able to get back for months. My friend said you know you have to get to where you want to be right now that's what you have to do and that really shifted it for me. Eventually today, it was this morning um, I decided that I, um, that I was gonna book a flight for tomorrow morning at 6:45 a.m. and go back.
2: I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week, you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations—whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you
0: might hear on Wiretap.
2: Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I didn't. I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. That's the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly
0: depressing. The Wiretap Archives. Available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Okay, how are you feeling about me leaving?
2: (laughs) A bit anxious about your flight, Mm -hmm. and actually less so that you might catch it and more just that it will be a stressful 20 hours or whatever.
4: It's really bittersweet to go home right now because I have had such an amazing time here with my family and the feeling of, you know, being together in this time of crisis, like a crisis we've never experienced before in our lifetimes never seen the world change so quickly um and you know we were remarking tonight too that we would never have necessarily stayed home this much and cooked this much and spent this much quality time together and it's been ironically really fun to be together here
2: it also feels really strange that you'll be going back to Canada, and obviously there's no plan for you, like, you might not have come back in the next year or whatever, but it very much feels like borders are shutting down, and it feels just strange to feel like people are all across the world and you might not be able to see them when you want, and who knows what the next few months are going to look like, yeah.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. It feels like prior to this, at any moment, one or other of us could have spontaneously said hey let's fly over to Canada and see you or you fly over to London as you have done fairly regularly in the last few years and now it might be a very very different world when we actually see you in person again
4: So it's uh, the night before I head home to Toronto I leave today at 6.45 it's 1.20 right now And I can't sleep I'm pretty anxious Um, I'm just hoping nothing goes wrong at the airport Um, I hope none of the flights are delayed or I miss my connection or anything like that and yeah I just really want to get home so fingers crossed I'll be home uh, three o'clock tomorrow Alright, so here I am waiting for my gate to come up. Um, There's lots of masks. I uh, unfortunately forgot mine at the house, so I do not have a mask. Um, But maybe I'll put my gloves on. I'm seeing some gloves. That might be a good idea. Yeah, I'm just really nervous now that the planes all arrive, leave, make it To their destination on time And I'm really relieved that I got here And that my cab driver was friendly And he told me he was just trying to get home to Tanzania now So that also made me just think about how You know, we all Have in some way that urge to go home And especially Especially in a crisis that gets really heightened We just really want to get home.
1: Attention all passengers. Due to the coronavirus outbreak, passengers are requested to stand close to each other and not to gather in groups. Avoid handshakes, refuse kisses on the cheek and avoid hugging. We thank
2: you for your understanding.
4: So here I am, about to board the last flight, my second and last flight to Toronto from Copenhagen. I'm in a fairly small room that is pretty full of people so social distancing is not totally happening and i only see a couple masks but what can you do um, we all are trying to get home
3: three hours after you have a peek outside it's a uh, quite a beautiful sight if the clouds are allowing that. uh our arrival time should be fairly close to Toronto area uh, the, weather is, uh, the
4: So fun. I just landed Yes, we've landed in Toronto and now we just have to get through customs and get myself home I loved your guys' last video,
3: I was very sad not to be part of the I know, I know. We, we wish we wished that, we that we you were so there it felt almost like wrong doing a, vi- a video <laughs> with you not there. Yeah. Um, did you did you go through any kind of screening when you got back?
4: They just asked me if I had a fever or a cough, and I said no, and then they said okay. So it was kind of weird. Mm. It was kind of anticlimactic. So are you guys just keeping on trucking in terms of your work?
2: Yeah. yeah. Just sort of getting on with it. Um
3: yeah. yeah, I definitely feel like I spend a lot of time each day trying to sort of bat away the anxiety of what it all means for the future and kind of compulsively reading news. And, you know, I think one thing that was nice about having you here was that it gave us a sort of a social central point to kind of base distractions around. And now that you're not here and, um, it, it all feels a bit quieter in the flat, it definitely, I, I definitely feel like the, the, that extra space can often get taken up with just reading the news compulsively and worrying about what it all means. It does sort of, um... I don't know it it is scary yeah um, and I feel i've today i've felt tremendous gratitude for just having this apartment to be in um and i don't know it's 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 just really weird yeah it's it's kind of interesting that you know if you if I could go back in time and you know talk to you right before you got on the plane to come to Canada, knowing what I know now. Of course, I should say to you, Natasha, don't come. It would, it's insane. everything The world's about to go into meltdown. But actually, you coming was so amazing, and it kind of helped us like, get through this really weird and quite scary time, and hopefully you felt the same way. Um,
4: yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking that I really didn't regret
3: coming at all and I wouldn't have made that choice. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well Alright, well yeah, stay stay safe you guys and uh, well more importantly, other let help other people stay safe. Keep your damn selves locked up. We'll do our bit. Alright soon guys. Yeah, absolutely. And to you guys. Okay. Okay, Bye.
0: Natasha Greenblatt. That story was produced by Natasha and Julia Poggle. And I have an update for you. While Natasha was calling her cousins, I got a call I'd been waiting for from our producer, Allison Cook. Hello. Hello. I'm home. How does it feel being back? Um, cold. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs>
1: No, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. Um, We were talking on the plane as we were arriving, just that ball of tension that you have in your chest, that sort of uncertainty has disappeared. That anxiety, which you don't really know you're holding there until it goes. And it's like, oh, I feel so much
0: better. I am glad that you are back safe and healthy. Thank you. Okay, take good care of yourself. You too. Okay, bye. That's all for us this week. The Doc Project is produced by Allison Cook, Kent Hoffman, and me. Our digital producers are Althea Manassin and Tahiat Mahbub. Our senior producer is Julia Poggle. I'm AC Rowe. I hope that you are all staying safe, keeping physically distant but emotionally close. Thanks for keeping us company.